1 Kings chapter number 17. I assume I told you something different since everyone turned the page when I said that again. So we will be in 1 Kings 17. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of the text tonight. If you're able to stand, please stand with me. We'll begin in verse 1 and read through verse 7. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord liveth, I'm sorry, the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and as I have commanded, and the, the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. As we consider the life, or at least this episode from the life of Elijah, I want to consider this thought preaching like Elijah. And I know what you're probably thinking, most of you, well, I'm not a preacher. But we're going to kind of take a side note for just a minute in the New Testament. And really, we've all been commanded to preach. And as we emphasize missions this month and our influence as it, in respect or regard to the proclamation of the gospel, Elijah is a good character to pattern ourselves after that we might preach like Elijah. Let's pray tonight. Father, I thank you for the word of God that instructs us in truth, may we rightly divide it, and Lord, I pray that through it you would encourage each of our hearts, and Lord, we trust that you'll be glorified in all that we do and say, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, just maybe mark this place in your Bible and turn over to the New Testament in Matthew chapter number 28, and some of you probably wouldn't even have to turn here to know these verses. We, familiar, or we are familiar with them, often calling this passage in this gospel, as well as a couple others, the Great Commission. I'm sure we'll read from this from time to time throughout the month and be reminded of it. Matthew chapter 28, in verse number 19, Jesus speaks and says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We're familiar with these verses. We've read them many times. We quote them at times. Maybe you have them written or you see them written in places. But just a reminder of a couple things. First of all, we have the command, and that is to go. We're to go, and what are we to do? Well, in Mark's gospel, he uses this phrase in response to this, or in sharing this detail, he says, preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus told his church here, preach the gospel, and so we're to go. And the instruction then is to not only preach the gospel, but also teach them to, to allow the truths of scripture to be brought out of our mouth and out of our lives and into the lives of others, 
the purpose is ultimately and, and beginning with salvation, but then spiritual growth as well. And then the promise, he said, lo, I'll be with you always. There's a promise of his presence as we go. We have all these things, but it began with go ye therefore. And so it's important to look at 18 and see what happened prior to this therefore. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. We see the why or the how, and that is the authority of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus said, I have all authority, and I'm sending you, but I'm going with you. Therefore, you have all authority. You have the authority to take this message and proclaim it to the world. If you would, then turn back to 1 Kings chapter 17, and maybe just keep those verses in mind. Keep this, um, these, these words of Christ somewhere in your mind, because I'm going to refer to them a couple times this evening. I'm going to look at just a few things in respect to regard to this man Elijah as he confronts King um, Ahab and gives him the judgment from God. That is, it's not going to rain. We'll read this in a moment, but in the book of James it says it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. Now, we've been pretty dry over the last few weeks, and we just sang that song, Showers of Blessing. And I want showers of blessing, I wouldn't mind some showers of rain also. But I can't imagine going years without rain, but as a judgment to the wickedness of the day and of the land, God was going to allow Elijah to send this word of condemnation upon King Ahab and to his kingdom for their wickedness, and that would be a drought. And then he is told to leave the presence of Elijah and go down to the brook Cherith. I have been studying this and, and it occurred to me that Cherith must, there must be a real significant meaning to the word Cherith. So I did some research on it and there's not. And uh, it means like a, a winter brook <laughs> or some people say a, a, uh, a, a stony riverbed or something like that. I'm like, oh, so much for that really being a, you know, um, a keynote in the, in the sermon tonight. Um, don't tell little Cherith that, that her, mean, her name basically means nothing profitable. Um, but he was told to go there. I was expecting it to be, you know, the meaning of Cherith would be refreshment or providence. You know, something where God was going to provide for Elijah there by the brook. Now he did all those things, but they forgot to change the meaning of the name. Anyways, um, so he goes to the brook Cherith and there the ravens are going to feed him. Bread and meat, day by day. Now, we don't know how long he was there or how long this miracle took place where God sent ravens to provide his food for him. But what an event. What a, what a picture of a man of faith. What a picture of a man of God. This man, the prophet Elijah, he was spoken of all throughout Scripture. He's spoken of in the New Testament. He was spoken of by God later on. He was spoken of uh, by Jesus he was quoted. Uh, I mean, it, this was a, a man of faith and a man of God. I just read the other day in one of the prophets, I think it's, uh, it's one of the big three, Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel, where, where God says, basically, even if Elijah was here to pray for you, it wouldn't do any good. And so there was, there, there was credibility behind this man. But who was he? What was he? And how did he come to be? And how did he continue? We're going to look at three things tonight is involving his character or at least this 
this episode of his life. First of all, we're going to look at the presentation of Elijah. Look there in verse 1 again. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, think about this. This man Ahab was a very wicked ruler. He had the authority of the land. He was the king of the land. He had no rules or regulations that he was abiding by. Basically, all the rules were out under Ahab's reign. In fact, he dismissed the priests who were godly, and he ordained new priests and new leaders, basically, that just submitted to whatever he wanted. Whenever he would call in the so-called prophets, there were several that he would just avoid because he didn't want to hear from them. He didn't want to hear truth. He just wanted people to basically tell him what he wanted to hear. Yet the man Elijah confronts him. He boldly walks into his presence and gives him the word from the Lord. We see that, first of all, he was secured in power. I mean, the, the authority of God was behind his words. The power of the Almighty was with him. And thus he felt that authority, and in that authority he found courage. You remember the, the command for us is to take the gospel to the whole world. And I think it's safe to say that if you're saved in here tonight, you have a desire to give the gospel to other people. If you found a cure for cancer, it would behoove you to take that cure and give it to everyone with cancer. If you had a, a, a recipe for good chocolate chip cookies, it would be wise for you to share either the cookies with me or the recipe to my wife. Okay, if you have something good, you want to share it. Well, if Christ is indwelling you, if the, the, the gospel has been revealed unto you and you've received it, and as Paul writes and says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, I believe you have a desire to share that with others. And by the way, if there is zero desire to share that with others, either one, you need to really check your relationship with him and, and two, in the process, you might want to just double check and make sure your salvation is genuine. Because how could a person say that, yes, God has delivered me from, light un, or from darkness unto light, from death unto life, but I have no desire to share it with anyone? Now, I think most of us have a, a desire, whether it's, it's kindling or if it's burning, that's between you and the Lord. But I think all of us have a desire. But in that desire, frequently... We turn down the opportunities. Why is that? We see Elijah coming and we think, I need to share this message with him. I need to tell him that it's not going to rain out of God's judgment. And here he comes and then it's, you know, wave at him as he goes by. Next time I'll get him. Next time. No, you see this man, Elijah, stepping out with confidence. He had the authority and the authority gave him the courage. See, I think one of the things we fail to recognize is that with this commission came the, the presence of God. Or rather, with the presence of God came the commission. He had already promised he'd be with us always. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, we have the authority over sin. We have the power over to resist the temptation. We have the authority from God to do his will. And sometimes, I think as believers, we've, we've failed to recognize that. We fail to realize the great power that we possess as children of God. 
Elijah realized it. Thus his presentation was secured in power. Also it was subject to passions. Turn over and maybe do another mark, not only of 1 Kings, but once you've found your place in the book of James in the New Testament, James is right before Peter, after Hebrews and before Peter. James gives us a significant look into the life of this man Elijah. The last chapter in the last few verses of James, James chapter number 5, in verse number 17, it says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. So Elijah, this prophet, this bold, courageous man of God, he was subject, he was bound to the same passions that we are. Now, if you, you study the context of this, look at verse number 13. It says, is any among you afflicted? Verse 14 says, is any sick among you? Verse 15 says, um, or verse 16 rather, confess your faults one toward another. We see Elijah having these same passions just like we have. Sickness, sin, and sorrows. See, we see a picture of his life where in his courage and his strength he steps out. But this was not an immortal human, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't, you know, a, a picture of something more than just a man. He was very much a man just like we are. He, he was just a human being. And he was subject to these things. I think sometimes when we go through difficulty, it's kind of hard to find a character in the Bible to relate with us because we focus frequently on the highlights of people. We see David killing Goliath. We see... You know, Peter walking on water. We see Jesus living a sin, sinless life. But then we have a little peek at people like Elijah. And though he was a man of faith and a man of prayer and a man of God, he still suffered the same infirmities that we suffer. He still went through losses and hardships and heartache. Though his, his presentation was secured in power on the human side, on the fleshly side... He was subject to passions just like we are. Maybe stick a note there in James, because I think we'll come back to that. Not just this exact passage, but there's a few verses I want to cover in James also. But thirdly, under the presentation of Elijah, we, we see that he was submerged, or this, this presentation, rather, this presentation was submerged in prayer. In fact, let's just go ahead and look here in, in James Chapter 5, I, I wanted to, to read this to you. It says there in 17, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. You see an answer to prayer when he said, no more rain. But then the Bible tells us that he prayed again. And I think it's safe to say in that three and a half years, he was a man of constant prayer. I think it's obvious that these weren't the only two prayers that he prayed. In fact, in leading up to his character, it says in the middle or toward the end of verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Oh yeah, by the way, let's look at Elijah. 
I believe he, it, the character of Elijah was exactly that. Of a man who walked with God and knew God and prayed. See, before he stood before the king, he knelt before the king of kings. Before he proclaimed this message, he found time alone with the Lord. If you look back in verse number 13, these are, I, I read the first parts of these verses, but look at else what it says here in um, James 5. If any man among, uh, among you is afflicted, let him pray. Verse 14, is any sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Verse 16, confess your faults one toward another and pray one for another. See, this man Elijah realized that if he's going to stand before the king, if he's going to present this word, he was subject to like passions. And yes, he had authority, but he needed something for that moment. And he found it in the prayer closet. You'll never be an effective witness until you effectively pray. Turn back over there to, and, and please mark your place in James. We'll be back here. But 1 Kings 17, we see this presentation. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, There should be no dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. We see now the proclamation of Elijah. What, what was it that he proclaimed? I mean, this was the message, it's not going to rain. And sometimes our message, ultimately as a believer, it ought to be that the, the gospel, and what is that? that? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Uh, the apostles said it best when they said exactly that. They said, and this is uh, the gospel, the, 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 the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And through his death, he bore our sins there on the cross. And he, was, he went to the grave, but he gloriously and victorious over sin, death, hell, Satan, and the grave gave us the victory. And in faith in him, we can have eternal life. That's our message to the lost world. Now, you remember there in Matthew, it didn't say just preach the gospel. It said teaching them all things. We have a message that doesn't end with you need to turn from sin and receive Christ. We have a, a command and a commission to then share their, our faith with them. That's it, the practical faith. Not just the saving faith but the biblical, practical faith. And how can we do that? How did Elijah do it? First of all, his, his, this proclamation or this message was from the Father. See, he received something in that prayer time that wasn't just concocted on his own. I mean, I don't think there's any way around this, this, uh, this, this uh, it's not mentioned here, or posted here, but I think we could, we could consider it as to be true, and that is, Elijah didn't just wake up and say, you know, I think Elijah needs to get what's coming to him. Or uh, Ahab needs to get what's coming to him. I think a good punishment for him would be no more rain. I'm going to go tell him that. No, uh, no, it was something he had been dwelling on and seeking the Lord. Now, God had apparently give him, given him a degree of authority and a degree of, of trust, if you will, in the matter of the fact that it says that Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain. 
He said, God, I want you to shut the heavens up as I judge and am used to be a judge upon Israel at the time. You know that God had used men, and I, I don't believe that um, Elijah was a judge in that sense or even called a judge. But when you read through the book of Judges and then into 1 Samuel, these men were called judges because they were to bring judgment upon those who were sometimes in Israel living in sin. Sometimes it was on the, and mostly on the enemy nations. But their job was to bring about judgment. And God raised them up and used them. And it was almost like he had ordained them and given them a, a degree of authority to almost... Um, choose the judgment. Now, obviously, I think it, it was led by the Spirit of God, that, like, for instance, of, of um, Samson, often the Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And so it was God manifesting himself through the individual. But it seems almost like that in Elijah's day where God said, go ahead, you pick the judgment and you tell me what you want and I'll send it. And Elijah said, Lord, I, I, I want you to close up the heavens. Don't let it rain. Because you see, some years later, he said, all right, time, time, it's good enough. Let's, let's bring the rain. And he began to pray, and God opened up the heavens. But this was ultimately something from God. He had received something from God, and he had now taken it to Elijah. Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, preach the word. Take the word that God has given you and preach it. Share it with others. Share it with the church. Share it with, with, with the saved. Encourage people through the word of God. What a wonderful truth it is to know that we've been given a message from God. We've received a message, rather, that we can then give to others. And it's right here in the Bible. Now, I believe that God uses us in ways that um, it maybe speaks to us individually and leads us personally. But ultimately... The proclamation that we have that's from the Father is right here in the pages of Scripture. And as we receive the message from Him, we can then carry that message and share it with others. I was talking to some of our young men Sunday night, and I encouraged them. Um, some of them have been preaching in different areas in uh, the nursing home, for instance. And, and I told one of them, I said, you know, the, a, a sermon is, is not what you need. Anybody can preach a sermon, but it requires someone close to God to relay a message. And a message is what you want. You want to take what God has given you and carry that message to others. So we see the proclamation of Elijah, it's from the Father. But it was also formed in faith. See, this isn't something he just sat idly around hoping it would one day fall on his lap. This was a man who walked with God and prayed. He sought God. He, he got to know God. You know, you, you, we see these areas of his life, these highlights. But if you really study out men like Elijah, you find that there's a picture of him here. But then there's a very long season before you see him again. I mean, he's, he's by the brook Cherith until it dries up. I don't know how big the brook is. But it takes a fair amount of time for a brook to dry up. A flowing brook doesn't just dry up overnight. Even when it, the rain stops, okay? It, um, you know, brooks can continue to, to, to flow for days or weeks or even months with no rain. And eventually that brook dries. But what did he do all that time? 
I mean, he's alone. He, he doesn't have a TV. He doesn't have social media. He doesn't have any trinkets or, or toys. I mean, he's out there in the wilderness. He doesn't even have to go provide his own food. The ravens are bringing him food. What's he doing all this time? I suppose he's getting closer to God and, and walking with God and getting to know God even more fervently. Because you see that later on in this chapter, God's going to continue to speak to him and through him. And the, the, the word of God is still real and fervent to him. See, I believe these messages that he received to share with others were formed in faith. As he sought the face of the Lord and as he walked with him. And it was, it was revealed unto him that he might reveal it to others. We see the presentation of Elijah. We see the proclamation of Elijah. And finally, we see the preservation of Elijah. After he addresses King Ahab, the word of the Lord came unto him in verse 2, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee. There. After proclaiming this message, I mean, we can't get a weatherman to accurately forecast 24 hours ahead. This guy's doing it years ahead. He said, just to let everybody know, no more rain for three years. I mean, he ought to, he ought to at least become the nation's best meteorologist at this point. I mean, he, he doesn't run for office. He doesn't go around saying, this was my word. I told Elijah. I stood up to Elijah. You know, I need to write the sword of the Lord and let him know. I just confronted Elijah and preached the word of God to him. No, he doesn't do any of those things. Instead, the Bible tells us that he goes down by the brook Cherith and spends weeks, months, a year maybe, we don't know, in solitude. We see that he was preserved. And I, I want to consider three things. First of all, in humility. The preservation of Elijah began, first of all, with humility. You hopefully are marked there in James. If you would turn back there with me. James chapter 4. In verse number 6. It says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Verse 10 of James 4 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter comes right after James. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 6. It says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. See, you wonder, uh, Elijah, how are, you, how are you preserved under all this pressure? I mean, you're standing before Ahab. You're proclaiming the truth. You're standing in boldness. What do you do to, to prepare for all this? How do you continue living this life? And in humility, you see him there just sitting by the brook. You see him not being announced. He's not showing off. He's not being proclaimed. He's just alone with God. You see the humility of him. And if we were to continue reading, we would see him arising and going to that widow woman and performing miracles before her, and then reviving the life of his son. See, you see, God would exalt him, God would lift him up, but it began, and it was only prior with humility. It began with humility. 
and then there was a promotion later. First we see humility, and then we see this word hiding. I love that phrase. He says, go hide thyself. In Ephesians 3.16, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus makes a statement. He says, strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. He says, God wants to strengthen you with might by his spirit, capital S, in your inner man. See, God wants to do a work inside of you, the hidden man, the inner man, the, the part of you that no one sees. See, far too often we're concerned about the external. We're, we're, we're far too concerned about how we look and how we appear and how we're judged before men. God says to Elijah, go hide yourself. Don't worry about people seeing you. Don't worry about the outward. Don't worry about your, your popularity. Don't worry about your appearance. Worry about hiding. Just go get away. Find that inner man. Find that secret man. And strengthen him. One of the greatest things you could do to prepare and find the strength and the courage to be a good testimony and a witness for others is that is just simply walk in the spirit. Where we're denying the flesh, we're denying the, as Paul writes, the old man, the outer man, the, the natural man, and we're allowing the spirit of God to rule and reign in our lives. See, this was simply the picture of him going and getting away from people and ultimately from Ahab and from the potential uh, consequences that Ahab wanted to impose on him. But I think it's a great picture for us as believers today of the need of that secret time with the Lord that we might strengthen our inner man. Jesus said, go into your closet and when thou hast prayed to your father in secret, he'll reward you openly. We see his humility, we see his hiding and then finally, we see his hunger. God said, you're going to get hungry there, but I'm going to provide your meat. The ravens are going to bring flesh and bread day by day. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, he quoted from Deuteronomy when he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And then in Matthew 5, of the Beatitudes, he says, They that hunger and thirst after righteousness, he said, I'll fill them. I'll satisfy them. Here it was a, obvious that it was just his natural needs and, and desires. But oh, that we might create, be created or have created in us a hunger and a thirst for the things of God, for righteousness and for truth. That God might fill us. See, if we're not hungry for the things of God in our quiet time, if we're not hungry for the word of God and for the presence of God, in our personal lives, we're not going to proclaim him in our public life. But when we get filled with the things of God personally and privately, it's hard to contain those publicly. If we're going to preach like Elijah, we're going to have to identify the fact that we have the authority from God. We have the commission. We need to realize that this proclamation comes from God and it's a message that we can share with others. And then finally, we're going to have to really get along with him and close to him and seek him that he might fill us up and that we might take what he's given us and share it with others. 
We're living in a, a world, in a community, in a just a very small location where there are, there are people so needy for the gospel. Just living in hopelessness and despair. And we have the truth. Let's share it with others. Let's be bold in our witness. Let's be looking for someone, even this week. He, see, he, he targeted Ahab. He had a message to Ahab. And I believe that if we would trust God even tomorrow, throughout this week, and say, God, would you reveal someone to me? Would you lead me to someone that I could witness to? I, I'm convinced, regardless of who you are tonight, if you would genuinely pray that prayer by faith, he, God would lead you to someone or lead them to you. But if you're not prepared in your secret time, you might be, not be prepared to relay the message when it's time. So let's get close to God tonight. Let's identify the great need that's around us and let's proclaim this message with others.